Andrew. I started getting texts Saturday morning <laughs> from uh, yeah, loyal listeners and mates. When crashes on Monday morning, you need to ask him this, 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 and this about the cricket. So much to talk about. The chief sports writer for the Courier Mail, Robert Crash Craddock, is with us. Crash, good morning. Good morning, Paul. I'm open to all queries, mate. You just fire, fire your bleeding heart out, as they say. Well, I think people want to know what happened to Australia at this World Cup, Crasher. Yeah, look, it's it's a good question and one I've been thinking of because it's a subtle answer, Paul. Like, uh, people blame the selectors. I don't. Um, you know, I felt they got the team... Yeah, look, no team's perfect, is it? There's a few moving parts. But it was an attitudinal thing. They, they were flat before it. I wrote a column today about Aaron Finch saying in October that they were suffering from fatigue. This is before a home World Cup. Can you imagine that in, in, in you know, in any other sport? So there was an air of flatness about them. No outstanding player. No, didn't make the top 30 in the wicket-takers list or the top 15 in the run-scorers list. So you cannot win a World Cup unless you've got two players in really good form. They had none. Yeah, it was incredible. I agree with you there, Crash. I mean, I think um, the last T20 World Cup being so recently, I think it was entirely understandable to go for pretty much the same squad. I mean, I, I think mm. that is fair. But, yeah, it's hard to put your finger on because we only lost one game. I mean, everyone lost a game. Pakistan lost two. We didn't lose to Amino. India did. They lost to Ireland. And Pakistan yeah. lost to Zimbabwe. But at no time did we look sort of dominant and sort of, uh, you know, have an edge to us. And I think you're right. I think the lead-up was it. I mean, Finch talking about being tired. I mean, even if you're thinking it, you don't say it because it spreads amongst the team. Um, we had players, you know, with injuries going into the World Cup. We didn't know if Stoinis and Marsh would be bowling. We had Finch batting at number four. We had Green in the team and opening before he was in the squad. The whole thing was just sort of... Uh, just off point, wasn't it? Yeah. What, what, off point, off balance. Yes. You know, th th there was no uh, crippling shortcoming in the, in the whole game plan or in the team, but they just didn't gel. And we were talking to a South Africa, Sri Lankan player after they played in Perth last week, and, and sure, they won, they beat Sri Lanka, but they said, gee, they were quiet. And he said, something's not quite right in that team. They, they just lacked aggression. And, and they didn't really bond as a team, I don't believe. They're a very old team, too. You know, when they won last year in um, uh, the UAE, uh, won the World Cup, Pat Cummins was their youngest player. And, of course, Tim David was, I think, this time. But uh, older teams have a certain... Uh, 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 a mate of mine who was really close to the team, Andrew, mm. said in talking to a lot of them before it, he was worried that they had their excuses ready. That they were sort of already talking about, oh, it'd be very hard to defend on home soil, you know, like we, we did well last year, but, you know, these things are tricky, you know, as if, you know, they weren't, they'd almost resigned themselves to not defending it. And they didn't go terribly. They no. won three out of four games, but in big moments, they were poor. Like minimising the damage when they were losing to New Zealand, they lost by 80 runs and it destroyed their whole tournament. Crash, uh, we know you always kick off with your overrated and underrated, and it's got a cricket theme for this week. Yeah, overrated is bowling first in high-pressure games. I simply couldn't believe when Temba Bavuma, the South African captain, given their torturous history of World Cup, when he bowled first against the Netherlands yesterday, let the Netherlands 
put a total, and you could tell by the time the poor South Africans took the crease, their knees were knocking together with the pressure. They simply had to bat first in that game and put anything on the board, 150, you know, and then try and defend it. But that was a just a, oh, I, I get all these stats about, oh, no, chasing's really good. Chasing's really good when you're not playing a World Cup and everyone's super relaxed. In, in high-pressure games, put the runs on the board. And, Paul, the other thing I think's overrated is I, I just wish sometimes... The commentary's been terrific in the World Cup, but sometimes they're not brave enough to call the obvious. Like, when the Netherlands were beating South Africa, the Netherlands were half the story and but the big story of the day was South Africa crumbling in yet another World Cup and no one would say it no one would use those words no one would say oh my god the pain of this would be just unbearable given that South Africa have choked in so many World Cups like here's another like that someone had to say words similar to that but they just refused to say it yeah it was interesting uh, over uh, Ian Chappell. I mean, he's not everyone's cup of tea as a commentator, but he uh, calls it as he sees it. And even in a recent article he wrote that I think came out yesterday, the one question mark he had about South Africa was their ability to implode in high-pressure yep. situations. So I think he would have said it. Well, he would have. And look, it was agonising to watch. Remember when Australia pipped South Africa? Well, it was a tied game and then they got home by a... Uh, you know, a couple of runs in two wonderful games in the 99 World Cup in England and the South Africans were just shattered by that. Hunzi Cronje cried in the dressing room. Temba Vavuma cried yesterday. He could barely speak. He had a three-minute press conference after it. The scars are deep. They're long-lasting. And it was very significant that Mark Boucher, the South African coach at his press conference, Probably the most significant quote he said was, our challenge now will be to keep players wanting to play for South Africa. That is a haunting thought mm. because we're moving further and further towards a system now where players want to play franchise cricket for the big dollars or they want to move to England if they're South African and play in the system there. Like it's a, They face big, big, big challenges and from that point of view, it's shattering that they, they're out of the tournament. Grasher, what about your underrated... Again, underrated was this has been a, a, a wonderful World Cup, the, the best I can ever think of in either 20 or 50 over cricket. And hats off to the Netherlands, Afghanistan, and Ireland, for, for, and other of the emerging nations, Namibia, for the cheek they've shown against major nations. Of course, the Netherlands beat South Africa yesterday. No fluke about it, they played really well. Ireland beat England, no, same system, batted first, put a few runs off, up on the board and then crushed them under pressure. And Afghanistan went within four runs of beating Australia. So I, I just think that these systems are, are, are bankrolled by a barest fraction of what systems like Australia, England and India have. And, and to get these teams up and running is just wonderful. It, it, it's just... It's been a terrific World Cup. It really has. Crash, um, uh, the next uh, T20 World Cup is not until 2024 and uh, we don't play another T20 International for a while, but uh, I think it'd be remiss of Australian cricket not to do a review of this particular campaign, everything, including the scheduling. Um, if the players are talking about being tired, well, perhaps they have to listen to them. But uh, as I was saying to Paul this morning, who does the review? I mean, the coach owes his 
job to the senior players, so there must be some loyalty there. And the selector or the, uh, the chairman of selectors, as we say, is pretty much embedded in the team and just about part of the staff. So can he be objective in doing the review? Yeah, I think you need someone from outside to have a look. Is, is, it, decisions is fundamental. Is Do we have a white ball coach? I mean, they floated through this tournament, didn't they? And the thing was with Andrew McDonald coaching all formats is, you know, I was terribly concerned by the comments by Glenn Maxwell a couple of uh, days ago on Saturday when he said, oh, look, does it really matter? We just get on to the next tournament. You know, and there's that mentality of they're on the treadmill. Whereas I think if you bring in a specialist T20 coach who's got a bit of electricity about him, and, and just changes the tempo, tunes it up a bit. I, I think McDonald's perfect for test cricket. He's got a lovely laid-back nature, and, the, and he just sort of relaxes the players. But sometimes in T20, you've got to go the other way. Shane Warne was a good T20 coach because I remember there were times when he would keep his team in the dressing room, uh, no warm-ups, and unleash them 20 minutes before the start of the game. And they burst out on the field full of energy. That he deliberately did that. He said, I want them exploding onto the field. I don't want blokes ambling on, right, we're ready, eh? No, 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 no. I want them. So, you know, it, it's just, there's a, you're right, Andrew, a review and someone from outside the system should do it. You know, get in and have a look at it. There's a World Cup coming up in 50 over cricket in India next year. You know, that's, we want to, you know, it, it, it's a big thing. Mm. Crash, uh, David Warner and Steve Smith are both past 30. Warner won't have too much time left. And Smith, we don't know. Uh, both will leave the game with terrific individual records, but they seem to be the players who really are behind the disconnect that Australian cricket fans have with the national team now. Does it date back to 2018 or even before that? Because right now... It feels as though cricket fans, and Andrew, we get comments every day on our social media pages that fans aren't in love with the Aussie cricket team. Mm. It's a really good point, Paul. And, and I've been thinking a lot about this over the last week because every article I write, when the comments section at the bottom of it, Pat Cummins cops about three, you know, said, oh, you know, why doesn't he go back to his wokeism and all this? I mean, gee, he, he's under he's under fire. And I just thought it was tremendously telling at the Adelaide Oval the other night when Australia was playing their sole game at the Adelaide Oval and they love their cricket, the Adelaide folk. They absolutely love it. Only 18,000 there and it was a double header. I mean, that'd be a, a, a poor crowd for, you know, a big bash game when the, when the mm -hmm. Adelaide strikers were high in the saddle. And I couldn't believe how, what a small crowd it was. So, yes, we are getting that disconnect. And I think it's a, it's there and it's real. The, the crowds for the India games have been absolutely outstanding. Sri Lanka, good. Pakistan, good. But for the home nation, it's almost as if we've been spectators to our own tournament, bystanders to our own tournament. Because the, the, the crowds were Australia versus Ireland at the Gabba was a, very average crowd the other night. It is interesting. Um, look, I think it's inevitable crash. Um, uh, you know, I heard Andrew McDonald talking about Aaron Finch and how he'd go in the BBL. I mean, his his white ball career must be over. I mean, it'd be complete madness to think he could still be captaining the T20 team oh, in yeah. 2024. I think Pat Cummins, uh, you know, 50 over captain and uh, test captain, that's enough for him. And I don't think his position is solid in the T20 team. So who is the next captain of our T20 team? 
Yeah, good question. I've got Mitchell Marsh yes. a slight favourite. His injury record is a worry. But there's a couple of things about Mitchell Marsh. One is that everyone likes him. He has no enemies in the game. You know how on social media, the poor Marsh boys, <laughs> Mitchell and Sean, they get absolutely pilloried as if they're these you know, villains of the game. They're the world's nicest blokes. And Mitchell is an outstanding human. He's a lovely kid. Uh, and he's aged around 30 now. Gosh, time gets away. I still mm. think of him as being 18. But he, he's blossoming as a player. It didn't quite show in this tournament. But he is improving. Uh, he's led WA. And, and I think the kids who will come in, they'll, they'll all be gone in a couple of years, all Australia's senior players. So Mitchell will be 31, 32, the perfect age to take over. I, I, I like him... Uh, there's some talk of David Warner's leadership ban being overturned, and it probably will be, but I think time will beat him. The next step has to be forward. So uh, I'd go for Mitchell Marsh. And I forgot to mention, just in my underrated, I know you mentioned the other day, but I thought it was lovely that the uh, the, the celebration of Ray Bubke, the East mm. veteran, the 50 years at East uh, yesterday over the weekend in club cricket. And I know you've, Paul, you and Andrew, you know, you've... Ray, you've probably shadowed Ray the last 50 years. It's wonderful. I know you mentioned it. So for that, and I also forgot to mention Bernhard Langer at age 65, about an hour ago, becoming the oldest ever winner on the PGA Tour, uh, Seniors Tour, and shooting less than his age yesterday, shooting 63. Wow. I couldn't believe it. That's extraordinary. And when you see him there, we were walking around, you know, you see Andrew Golfers with their kids. He's actually got his grandkids out there. It's amazing to watch it. Well, not only that, uh, you see some of the golfers and you think, oh, he's uh, put on a few pounds since he finished. Not Langer. Oh, I know. He's as fit as anything, oh, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's, that's a good debate for us one day. The ageless people in sport. Mm. Uh, cricket, I'll give you Kepler Vessels. Mm -hmm. uh, your old opening partner, Andrew, who's now a match referee, still looks as if he could play yep. for Australia. But I, I watched uh, Bernard Langer be greeted by his grandson on the 18th green about 10 minutes ago, and I just thought, you're right. He, 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 but but yeah, isn't he in impeccable shape? I, mm. I just can't believe it, yeah. Crasher, away from cricket, we've got a Rugby League World Cup going on. Australia are in a good place there to, to, to go through to the final with a victory over New Zealand this weekend. But, but here at home, Wayne Bennett is going to have a press conference today as the Dolphins head coach. No doubt you'll be trekking over there. Yes. Well, it's great to... Uh, I'm just... Uh, I think Pete Padel might be covering that for us, but I'm um, just looking at times and dates times now. But the great thing is that, yeah, this is where it all starts for the Dolphins. They've done a brilliant job sponsorship-wise. Their finances are running about second behind the Broncos. Out of all the clubs in the league, outstanding work. And they haven't kicked a footy yet, so that's great. Their recruiting has been... Well, they, they, you can't hide it. They've lacked a, a marquee signing, that guy you want on the side of your bus. They would say that's Wayne Bennett, their coach. And I get that too. Eventually, the big names will pour in. But, yeah, they haven't got one at the moment. They've got a hold-your-ground sort of team, haven't they? That team that Bennett constructed first with the Broncos when he got guys like Greg Kinescu and Brian Niebling in in the 1980s when they started up, he said, before we win a premiership, we just got to hang in there. So they've got a, signed a lot of really good young kids, you know, 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds, and I, I, I'm tipping them to win a premiership in the next decade, about the end of the decade, but the first few years will be tough. 
And Crash, I woke up on the weekend and thought it was 1997 when I heard about a breakaway uh, competition in rugby league. Couldn't possibly be the case, could it? No, I don't think it'll happen. Uh, Phil Rothfield wrote that story, but he's very well connected, Phil. And I got the tenor of his story. Andrew, from the clubs to the players, there's enormous concern in rugby league about the lack of consultation. Emails not being responded to. No one knows what the salary cap is for next year. Are you serious? Like, there's no competition draw announced. The competition just seems paralysed at the moment. And guys like Brian Fletcher, the CEO at Penrith, is speaking up and speaking out. And there's the the players, Clint Newton, the player's boss, he's speaking out. You know, they, they want a seat on the board. And they're trying to get a seat everywhere because they're worried that they're not consulted on anything. The decisions are made and they can't get a, you know, a, a, a room in the, a seat at the table. So this is very serious. It, whatever they said publicly behind the scenes, multiply that by two. The game's in a bit of strife at the moment. I suppose that's the downside of having a benevolent dictator running a game like Peter Volandis. I mean, he makes all the decisions and uh, people have been willing to go with him during COVID, but uh, if he's the one making decisions at the moment, he doesn't have them, uh, there's no communication. It's a very good point, and, and that's the thing. I mean, he has been... There's no doubt Peter's been good for rugby league and Andrew Abdo's made his contribution, but if you cut people out of the consultation process eventually it will come back and haunt you. It may take a while, as it has here, but that's the big issue. I know the QRL, they're always at loggerheads with the bosses in Sydney. I know the Host Plus Cup teams are going, hang on a minute, you know, where's... You know, we haven't even got... We don't know what our competition looks like for next year. How many teams are in it? You know, this this is... We're in November, you know, so... There's serious concerns, and I have to say I'm surprised it's got to this. I can't believe it's got to early November and teams do not know how much they're allowed to spend for a season which starts in about three or four months. Crash, I do think there is a bit of a um, guilt on both sides, though, here, because apparently anything that's being put forward is being knocked back. The clubs basically want the salary cap paid for by the NRL and they want $5 million on top of that, and I think when they ask the question, well, why should we be handing over $5 million a season to fund you? Uh, we want to see where it's going to be responsible because some a lot of clubs are paying for two coaches or players that aren't there. So I think they want to see a bit of responsible spending as well. Yeah, and that's fair enough too. I, I, I personally, after watching so many clubs struggle for the last 20, 30 years, you just don't rate their financial management, do you, of, of a lot of rugby league clubs and their ability to spend money is extraordinary, and I get that. But consultation can conquer everything, and without it, you get nowhere. And, and everywhere I go in rugby league, you just hear that same sentence that, oh, look, we, we just get told what we're doing. We don't, we don't have, have much of a say. And, and when I hear that, it worries me. When I hear that, it worries me. Crash, just a final one uh, yeah. Because we've only got about 60 seconds left to the end of the show. It seems as though the Newcastle Knights, we're hearing the rumours, are going to be the team that misses out on Magic Round next season. Yeah, I don't like that, Paul. What do you think? I mean, but but look, hey, it, it, it's, it was always the big issue, wasn't it? When a 17th team came in, that one team is going to have to miss out. And it looks like being the Knights. And the sad thing is that I think 
they need that that more than anyone. You know, mm-hmm. coming up here, being part of the the big show, that just makes a battling team feel worse. What do you think? Yeah, I just didn't know how they were going to work it out. But the, the, they're probably the ones that need the. Uh the uh, the benefit of a magic round, but I just don't know who it would have been to miss out. Crash, always a pleasure to chat to you each and every Monday. We'll catch up whenever there's cricket news. You might, we might join you. Uh, you might join us later in the week for the World Cup final. Yes, it's exciting. It's been a great little tournament, and I'll miss it when it's gone. And uh, you know, this uh, this tournament will will reshape world cricket. Mm. It, it puts uh, a new flavours are running through it. It's uh, it's lovely. It really is. Thanks, guys. Thanks, See you then. Crash. There he is, Robert Crash Craddock.